Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody. It's good to be with you today. Uh, I am here with our friend, uh, Michelle Burke. Uh, Michelle has been a staple in the podcast. We're excited to have her again today. Uh, Sister Burke, welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Good to, good to have you back. Uh, I appreciate you uh, doing this. You've had uh, quite, a, quite a lot going on in your life uh, lately. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you had like a, like a load. Uh, tell everybody, I, I just think your son's experience in Jerusalem was so interesting. Would you be willing to share that story? Sure. Yeah, we had our second son at the BYU Jerusalem Center this semester. Um, so excited to go, having a great time until yeah. we got a phone call at 1.30 in the morning from the bunker under the Jerusalem Center saying, Ooh. there's some missiles going off, but we're safe. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, I had been a student at the Jerusalem Center years ago, and things happen all the time. And so some some days they say, we don't want you to go out, you just stay inside. Yeah. And the Jerusalem Center is like a cruise ship on land. It has everything you need. It yeah. has a cafeteria, a gym, classrooms, you, you, where you live. So it really is a safe spot. But as the war escalated, um, every day was 100 times worse than the day before. Yeah. So they had eight days of lockdown where they couldn't leave the center. But... You know, as parents, we're so far away. Every time we'd pray about it, we felt peace. Yeah. We really didn't worry about their safety. Good. But if you watch the news, oh yeah, it was turmoil. I can't even imagine. Right. <laughs> it was like, oh, maybe they should come home. Yeah. Um, but I also knew when you're there and you're bonding with these other 93 students, you don't want to come home. Right. Like the, the people are the greatest part of that event. Mm -hmm. So they made a decision to safely move the students to Athens. But the day that they left the center, they left the bubble of safety. Yeah. And we were praying that they would be invisible to the enemy. And then I, my bishop had asked, How, how's your son doing? And I said, we're a little nervous. Today's the day he makes it to the airport. We hope they get out. Yeah. The, the, the first plan was fly out if you can. The second plan was come back and try to go to Jordan. Sure. Um, and so he said, remember that those are 93 of God's covenant people. They've made covenants with him mm. all through baptism, most of them through the temple. Mm -hmm. So he's obligated to protect them. Sure. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I like that. And then his wife texted me and said, you know that God will send angels to protect those students. So mm -hmm. in my mind, there's a caravan of three buses going from the Jerusalem Center to the airport mm -hmm. with Jesus in the lead, yeah. <laughs> angels all around them, and they're invisible. Yeah. <laughs> so... Honestly, all three of those thoughts gave me so much peace. Hmm. I didn't learn until later that when they arrived at the airport, missiles were headed to the airport, and the Iron Dome was hitting them down above the airport. Wow. And so they literally were protected from safety hmm. and, and were able to get on a plane and then were escorted out of military airspace hmm. until they were out safely. Into Athens. The next day, the airport shut down. Oh. So it was this bubble of a moment because... The Jewish Sabbath ended on Saturday night, and they left first thing Sunday. Mm. And by Monday, everything was closed down. So any Americans trying to get out then were going by ship. Wow. And here our cute little kiddos had flown to Athens, were in this safe, beautiful Having fun in Athens now. <laughs> yeah. So they were there a week early and then stayed for their two-week field trip to study the life of Paul mm. in that area anyway. Cool. And then they came home two months early. Very cool. So. Very cool. We're glad he's home and safe and and things are good again, in, in, at least not so upside down in your world, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's good. A lot of prayers answered. Um, God really managed that whole event and really did protect his people. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, again, good to have you with us. Um, thank you for sharing that story. I just thought it was touching uh, to hear how the Lord maybe protected those that uh, were studying at his school in Jerusalem at the yeah. time. So, 
We're going to be today in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, these are the epistles of John and the book of Jude, which is short. They're all short um, chapter books, basically. And, uh, and, and it was interesting before we hit record, uh, you had said why these are why these are different than the book of John, right? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then we have this, these little, these little epistles here. So why weren't these included in the other and, and whatnot there? So maybe we'll start with just kind of giving us a... A little background. A little background, yeah. Yeah, so Bible scholars believe this was probably written around 96 AD. And so this is when Peter, James, and John were serving as like the first presidency of the mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. And... This is, of course, after the Savior has gone home. And so they are teaching Christians who are starting to doubt about Jesus, whether he was really born into a mortal body or not, that he truly was here, lived a mortal experience on earth, and they're teaching that um, God is holy. So this is more of their teachings of who he is and why, why it's important to study him. Yeah, great. Great, I love it. So, uh, so just jump us in. The book was written. This first book um, was written to Gnostic believers who thought that Christ was the Savior, but that he couldn't have been God because God wouldn't have touched unclean things. And so that's kind of the the concept uh, in this first epistle. Um, and uh, John's really like like Paul all the way through his letters was mostly writing to make some corrections and and fix some errors um, that had, were cropping up in the church as the church was trying to spread and and we had leadership uh, issues from from place to place so so that's kind of where where it starts and and a big message of First John is two things God is light yeah. God is love mm. and. I mean, we could have a fabulous discussion of just those two things. Sure, like, right. I, I love God as light, like like a lighthouse, always beaming, always directing and steering us if we look to Him. Yeah. And God being love, uh, which is the great commandment, right? right? Yeah. Love is the answer to everything. And so it was a fascinating read to go through chapters 2 and 3 in First John. And, and to do this at home, too, if you're studying these books, mark in red and yellow. Hmm. Mark everything in yellow that is good things to do, and mark everything in red that's a warning, don't do this. Don't do that thing. <laughs> so, it, like in chapter 2, for example, he'll say in verse 3, we know him if we keep his commandments. Uh -huh. Okay, this is a good suggestion by John. But then quickly in 4, he says, Oh, but he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Sure, right, yeah. So he'll go back and forth. <clears throat> this is good, this is not. Do mm. this, don't do this. And all of a sudden, you'll look through these chapters, and you'll see red and yellow, red and yellow, all yeah, the way through. Yeah, that's cool. Um, because he gives you the warning and the better instruction. Sure. He's making it as clear as he possibly can. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Love it. So, so great uh, invitation to get in and, and do your own study on this. As always, we hope that what what you do with us here and listening to this podcast is is really just a, a supplement to what you're doing on your own, right? Yeah, and maybe we'll offer suggestions that can help deepen your understanding of the yeah. scriptures yeah. and and help you see things that you may not have others otherwise seen. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Just maybe as a caveat here, and, and then we'll jump in. Um, I uh, asked my wife. My wife used to listen to the podcast every Sunday morning if she was getting ready for church. And, and just recently, I've noticed that she's not listening then, at least, and I wasn't sure when she was listening. So I asked her if she stopped listening. She said, you know, I, I stopped listening to all the podcasts I was listening to because I started, I started only seeing the things that I was hearing in the podcast when I read. And so I'm, I'm taking a break from podcasts. I think they're good for me because they help me see more. But she said, I'm going to use my Sundays to study the block and find what I find on my own and then listen to others to help deepen my study as I go. And I thought that's actually a really great way to study um, because I think the Spirit will prompt and direct you, um, listeners, to what you need first. And then the deeper understanding of what's there, what contextually is there, what we see for young adults, um, you know, then I think those are those are helpful things. But, but first and foremost, your study should be for you. And, uh, and and seeing what the Lord has intended for you, so I love that. And you know, in 
in chapter two of first John, it says in verse five, but whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Mm. Hereby know we that we are in him. Mm. And in, in six, he says, of course, walk even as he walked. So for your wife to turn to the scriptures first yeah. is always the most powerful because then you gain a testimony of him. You grow to love him as you study him. Yeah. And then you recognize if he did this, I'm going to practice doing this. Yeah, yeah, and that's the keeping his word, right? That, that yeah. you're, you're staying in his doctrine and understanding it for you first. And, I, and again, I think, you know, if I, if I look at the analytics of the podcast, most, about half of our listeners, listen on Sunday, which is wonderful. I think it's great that you're using this maybe to help kind of jumpstart your week and get into uh, what's in the block. And I think that's great. But recognize we're so not covering the whole thing most of the time. And we're probably not speaking... Uh, the things that Heavenly Father would have you hear from the Holy Ghost directly in your own study. So anyway, just for what it's worth, make sure you're in on your own too as you listen to this. So. For sure. Okay, so let's, uh, can we, do, should we start in First John 1? Yeah. Is there, is there some stuff in there we ought to look at? First John 1 um, is mainly them saying God is God. Yeah. He is the word of life. He shows you your way to eternal life. He is light. Yeah. He is the blood that cleanses all from sin. So they're, they're just boldly stating their introduction. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe just a, a point, a couple things. Verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. It's interesting, in a couple of weeks um, we'll, we'll be in the book of Revelation and, and there's some sections in there and I think I'm actually going to talk about a little bit um, some, some learning that I've had in the creation. If you go back to Genesis, and it's referenced in the book of Revelation, in the very beginning of the creation, there is a separation of light and dark. And then, like three days later, there's a creation of the sun and the moon. And it, it's always been interesting to me as I've sat in the temple and I've watched the creation you know, process flat, fold out, that there's a, there's a separation of light and dark in the creation of the world. And then I started thinking about God being light. And if we go to the next verse in, in John here, chapter uh, 1, verse 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And then I thought, oh, well, in the beginning, beginning, before anybody came to earth, there was a separation of light and dark. There was a time where those that were following Christ, the light, and those that were following Satan, the dark, were separated out, and there was a division. And light was created, and dark was cast out down to the earth. Right. So I don't know that that's I don't know that that's exactly what is intended there. But there was a separation of light and dark in the beginning. When we read about um, Christ in the Doctrine and Covenants, section eighty-eight in particular, we learn about His light, Him being the power by which all light is, including the sun and the moon. Uh, have their light, right? Mm -hmm. And also in John eight twelve in the Gospels mm -hmm. is when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He right. that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Exactly, right? So I, I think, I just think there's, there's more to this concept of light. Verse 7, if we keep reading in John, if we walk in the light as he is the, in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Which really means we're united as brothers and sisters in the gospel, yeah. right? All covered by his atonement. Atonement. Yeah, but verse eight. This is the this is the do this, don't do this, right? We we see it in verse five and uh -huh. six. We see it in seven and eight. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us, right? So not only um, do we walk if we walk in darkness, we're not following him. And if we say we don't have any sins, so there's nothing to repent of. Like, anyway, we're perfect. Then, yeah, we're perfect. We're fine. Then, right. Then we, we don't, don't have any. It. We don't have any sin. And yeah, I don't know. But I, I just I think there's so much to study about Christ as the light, mm -hmm. um, all the way through here. Well, and and going back to the creation, I think it's so fabulous when you study the creation that they had to go in that order. There had yeah. to be light before there could be the moon to pull a tide sure. before you put the fish in the sea yeah. before the fish could be eaten by man exactly. like everything went in the perfect order mm -hmm. for all the reasons yeah. right yeah. so to give us light first 
even when you plant something in the garden, you have to have sun. Yeah. Right? right. And the first thing in the morning you wake up when the sun rises. Yeah. So light is first in our life in multiple areas. Yeah. And when we look to the light, we see better. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, again, I think it's so interesting to me that light was created before the sun was created or the, the in, in the creation process. And that light being coming from Christ, right? Mm -hmm. And the, everyone on earth has the light of right. Christ so, to guide them. Yeah, so there's just something more there than the light we get from the sun, right? I, I just think there's more to study there. Yeah, what a fabulous uh, study it would be to yeah. just study scriptures on light. Right, yeah. that would be cool. We could do a whole podcast on no that. No kidding, podcast on light. So that's basically John chapter 1. We've, we've con co covered John, 1 John 1. Yeah. Uh, we jump into chapter 2. And you jump right into obedience, following the commandments, love right. not the world. He's very specific in here. Keep the commandments. Yeah. Don't trust the world. Right. Look to Christ. Don't look to the world. Right, yeah. And again, the back and forth, again, if you do the exercise to highlight, good advice, warnings, good advice, <laughs> warnings. It's every other verse. Yeah, yeah, I love it. You know, verse one, we get, um, my little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ is righteous. That word advocate, would when we... When we define that, and too often in a Sunday school class, and for those listening, pay attention to your Sunday school class if this comes up, that when we talk about advocate, we tend to go right towards what is said in a courtroom when there's an advocate who's like pleading for you, right? And, mm -hmm. and in a courtroom, that person is going to stand up and say, well, this is Matt, and he, this, yes, he screwed up, but he is good, and he's never, this is his first offense and all these things, right? And I think if we, if we paint the Savior as that kind of advocate, we're wrong. Because that's not, he won't point to me and say, look at, look at all the good things Matt did. He kind of deserves to come in. I'll cover his sins where he doesn't deserve it, right? If you go to Doctrine and Covenants section 45, when, uh, verse 3, when Christ is speaking, it says, listen to him who is the advocate with your father who is pleading your cause. And then this is what he says. He says, Father, behold the sufferings and death of him who did no sin. So he doesn't point to you and say, hey, he's, he's going to be okay. I, I, I can vouch for him. He, doesn't, he, he puts you behind him and he points to him. And he's like, look, it's me. I'm Jesus, right? Look, pay attention to me. And then he says, behold, the blood of thy son, which was shed. Wherefore, my father, spare these my brethren that believe on my name. They, they don't, he doesn't even reference me and the things I did. All the things I do are the things that indicate I want some help. Right, and that I do know him and I want his atonement to apply. Well, and that's the Greek translation actually calls him a helper. Yeah. A helper or a comforter or an intercessor. Yeah. Yeah, great. I love that. Yeah, and that, that's verse two. He is the propitiation for our sins, for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, then, he, then he jumps into the keeping the commandments part. Yeah. Verse three, if we know him, if we keep his commandments. And verse five, whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Yeah. And I think of that as a parent. You know, when I ask one of my kiddos, will you do this? And they do it. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And when you say, will you please do this? And then they didn't remember or didn't do it or just, you know, like, I'm trusting us as a group of a family that each of these steps will get done. Yeah. And when one of them doesn't get done, then it holds everybody else back. Yeah. And so as a parent, it, it, there's just so much love and gratitude when everyone's doing their part yeah. and we're getting a big project done. But I think the Lord looks at us and his big project of the plan of salvation mm -hmm. and says, I can get you through this. Yeah. I, can, I can literally walk you down a straight and narrow path if you'll just do the following things. Yeah, right. And most people in the world say that. Like, yeah. I can help you lose weight if you'll just do these five sure, things right. every day. You know, yeah. this many steps, this yeah. much water. And... Even in the financial word, I can help you be financially secure if you'll just budget these five things. Yep, right. So for the Lord to say, just keep my commandments means I got you. Yeah. I can help you. And yet we sometimes don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> like children in a family. Well, it's so interesting. And, and you know, Vert, it, it really is uh, John speaking about works in a way that is a little bit a little bit sideways from the way Paul did it. Paul just addressed it. If you're not doing stuff, you're not doing the, the Savior's work, right? But, but verse 3, again, as you studied, as you read it, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're indicating to him. But you see it again in 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. 
right? You can't just claim Jesus and not do what Jesus did or invited you to become, right? Well, and our whole life is to figure out how Jesus did something and then practice doing that ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, as a piano teacher, many years, many years teaching piano, I could play a song for a student and then if they tried to replicate, they could get it and go home and practice, get it really good, come back and play it for me again. Yeah. And eventually became amazing piano players out of watching, listening, practicing, and then they got it. Yeah. So you could take someone who's never touched the piano, who in a few years can play a concerto by the repetition, the practice, and and walking and and doing as they heard done. So, So much of our life is that with Christ. Read about Him, study Him, recognize how He's treating people, go and practice it out in the world. So the class I'm teaching right now, Lead Like Christ, is exactly that. How did Christ delegate, right? How did Christ encourage other people? How did Christ set people up in councils to manage a group of people? And so we're looking back at all of what Christ did in his lifetime that masters leadership. Yeah. He was a phenomenal leader. Yeah. We could spend the whole semester, and I still have more to say sure. about how he managed his time, how he treated people, how he motivated people, right. how he knelt down and looked them in the eye at right. their level to understand them, and yet how he led. For sure. Right? So big groups. So that's really what this world's about. If we can keep his commandments by studying and watching how he walked and turning towards his light, I mean, all of the, all the things they give in chapter two brings us closer to him because we're practicing to be like he was. Yeah, yeah. And John John points to ways that we aren't like that, right? I mean, he indicates ways that that you know we think we're okay. Verse nine: He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in the darkness, even until now, right? Like you can't you can't say I'm living a Christ-like life and be angry with people and be you know, vindictive about behaviors that someone else has had against you. I mean, you just can't say, yes, I'm doing it all, but I have these horrific feelings towards other people around me. But then you turn to President Nelson, who says, find the joy in daily repentance. Yeah. And we do stumble. Yeah. Like, I try to love sure. as many people as I can, and then something happens, and I think, oh, that's not what I meant, <laughs> or that's not... <laughs> yeah. I didn't say it like that. So I, there is daily repentance, which is the joy of the atonement. Yeah. And so I recognize, although I'm practicing to love my brother, like it says in verse 10, mm-hmm. meaning I'm trying to live as Christ would have me live, yeah. but there are times when I stumble. Yeah. And so I'm not, I, I, it's like two steps forward, one step back. That's mortality. Yeah, right. But if we're trying and he sees our effort, he's there to lift and help. Yeah, I love that. You referenced your family earlier and family just in general, how, how when they're all working together. And if we go from 12 to... Uh, maybe through 14, he really is referencing uh, at least little children and fathers and young men um, in this in these sections, talking to them and inviting them to follow and keep the commandments. In verse verse 12, he talks about little children and how their sins are just forgiven them because of Christ, period, right? Well, and let, let's actually comment on that. Yeah. I've been primary president a few times, <laughs> back when it was two full hours oh, yeah. of running the primary. But... Children under the age of eight know Christ. They are pure in every form. There's no malice. There's no motive to do evil. They genuinely are perfect. And when they turn eight and become accountable, that is when Satan can tempt them. Prior to that, Satan can't tempt those little children. They are protected from him. It's so powerful to watch the light in the sunbeams, the five, six-year-olds, and the confidence yep. in those children. Yep. They know who they are. Yep. They love each other. If they hit each other, fall down, they help you get back up. Right. Like They literally are Christ-like beings. Yeah. But then Satan beats upon us after age eight. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you see a change in demeanor. Yeah. They no longer have the confidence they had when they were younger. They no longer, their light is dimmed a little bit because they've been hit by that adversary right. who's trying so hard to knock yeah. them down. So little children are forgiven instantly. Yeah. It's when we become accountable that we have to start practicing repentance 
and becoming better and, and being okay that we stumble and getting back up again. Yeah, and, and maybe there's something there too that, that's worth touching on that, you know, fast forward 40 years in my life from a five-year-old to a 45-year-old and when I did something wrong as You're a five- 45. I am, I'm so old. When I, when I did something wrong as a five-year-old, I felt bad, I, I got in trouble or whatever and then I felt bad, but then it was gone, I was okay, right? It just went away. Mm-hmm. Now it just stays with me. Right. And, and, I, and I, I, I do bigger dumb things now than I did when I was five. Right. But but why does it stay with me? Why do I allow it to? It's it's uh, second Nephi chapter four. It's Nephi's lament. Right. Oh, uh, wretched man that I am. And, and I, I don't know why we allow the adversary to to take us away from being little children like that. But we get to verse 13. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you know the father, like you had said, right? They just know him. They don't have, you know, mm-hmm. there's this separation that happens as we get a little older. And um, it, it, let me tell just a quick story, and then I, I want you to take us deeper. Um, there's a, 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 well, our boss, uh, Brother Tim Perry, he's a wonderful guy. Uh, large family, lots of kids, and uh, they are building a home. And they literally are building the home, all of them. Like every single family member has boys and and Brother Perry um, working to build this home, a large home. Um, And it's amazing to me when I talk with him and say, where are you at in your house? Because I build homes on the side, right? And so I'm I'm always willing to like send some crews out or tools or trailers or whatever he needs. And and every time he says, my kids got it. They're, they're working on this today. And, and he goes home and helps them, but he gives them some instruction in the morning and then they do it in the afternoon. And, and now I don't, I don't know that it's always been with smiles and, and happiness, but, but Brother Perry hasn't indicated that it's otherwise. And so as you mentioned before, that when our family's working together, when we're all kind of cohesively unified in our efforts, uh, things go smoothly and it's easier. It just feels better and we're happier, right? And I think kind of along those lines, what Brother Perry is doing with his children is teaching them, I trust you. I'm going to give you some uh, some assignments today. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to let you do it. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to help you where you failed. And I'm going to uh, tell you what you did wrong. And I'm going to redo with you in a kind and loving way. And so his kids continue to work with him. <laughs> I don't know that that's true for me. When my when I ask my boys to go out and do something, I come out and I'm like, no, you just you just totally failed, right? And I just pick it pick it up and I do it myself. So I think there's something here also to learn about Heavenly Father and the Savior in how they are with us. That you know, as I get older and as I drop the ball, they come out and help me without making me feel upbraided, right? They, they don't upbraid me. I think that's I think that's important as we study here. In John. Okay, what else? Where else do we go? Let's jump to chapter 3. Okay. Um, we're talking about love. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Yeah, that's verse 1. Um, love is such a powerful tool in this world. Yeah. And it's no coincidence that we are asked to love God first mm-hmm. and then love our neighbor. There's a lot in the world that are really good at loving their neighbor, standing up for their neighbor, doing everything they can to defend their neighbor, sometimes right. even defend them against God. And if you choose God first, yeah. then you're in line with Him. And it's easy to reach down and help others bring them in line with God. But the world can get in trouble when we mess those two up. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I think in verse 2, it connects to that belo- beloved, now are, this, now are we the sons of God, and it doth yet, not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I think verses like that help us understand the plan of salvation beyond get back and live with God again, right? That I can be like him. Well, that's a pretty significant statement. Um, well, we were talking about angels in class. We were doing the plan of salvation in mm-hmm. our uh, spiritual momentum class last week. And, and a student asked, what's an angel? And mm-hmm. I'm like, an angel is any son or daughter of God. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, well Sister Burke, mm-hmm. like, what do you mean? I said, well, let's step back. In the pre-mortal life, you're a son or daughter of God without a body. Yeah. In mortality, you're a son or daughter of God with a body. Mm-hmm. Post-mortality in the spirit world, you're a son or daughter of God without a body. Sure. And so we have the ability to help each other in very unique ways, yeah. right? So 
in our mortal form, we can do a lot mm -hmm. because we can touch and listen and feel yeah. and lift and help and, sure. you know, ease burdens. But in our pre-mortal or post-mortal situations, we can also be present mm -hmm. and comforting. And I think we all have some experiences where we have felt a loved one close, although our mortal eyes can't see them. Yeah, yeah that's good. So God loves us enough to let us help each other yeah. uh, in angelic ways, in mortal ways. Mm -hmm. And so love is the answer to everything. Yeah, and, and ultimately the, the love we get and the help we get from those around us are helping us, like verse 2 says, become like him in some form or fashion. Verse 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. It causes us to change. It causes us to become more than we already are. And I think that is, I think that is what John's trying to get at is you're going to become something different if you're actually living the commandments. And whether it's whether it's because God loves you and forgives you every single day, all the time, every time you ask, or if it's because we're helping each other or there are angels on both sides of the veil helping us, uh, I, I think ultimately the plan is to help us and to get us back, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then he gives a lot of warnings here. So verse 6, Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not, but whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. And then he warns the little children in seven, don't let any man deceive you. <laughs> and then says, if he does righteous, he is righteous. Hmm. But then he jumps to eight and says, he that committeth sin is the devil, for the hmm. devil sinneth from the beginning. But then they give purpose. The hmm. Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. So there's this battle, even in these chapters, that reflect on the battle of mortality. Yeah. Everything that we do that's good, Satan wants to defeat it. Yeah. And so being watchful, every prophet in every scripture warns, be watchful. Yeah. This is what Satan's tactics are. Here's what he's going to try to do to stump you. Be aware that he is aware of you. Yeah. And every prophet, even to our current modern day apostles and prophets and conference, there are warnings everywhere to be wise, not yeah. to be afraid, yeah. but to be aware and smart and watchful. Yeah. So that as you're trying to keep the commandments and follow Christ, you can see them coming at you and say, I'm aware of that. Exactly. And I'm yeah. going to cast you out. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because some of it is direct sin, right? It's thing, verse 8. He that committed sin is of the devil, right? Mm -hmm. So direct sin. We, we, those are, are things we see coming at us, like you said, right, that we can cast out. But by the time we get a little later in there, he's talking about things that are a little harder to identify or quantify as sinful Verse 17, whosoever hath this world's good and seeth his brother have not have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So in other words, those of you that have financial means and you have the world's goodly things and you see somebody needing and you don't have compassion on them and give to them, how are you actually doing what Christ would do? Then he says in verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but, but in, in deed and, and in truth. truth right? Yeah, that's where yeah, the power that. is. But again, this is, this, is the, this is just a way that Paul taught very directly. Uh, faith without works is dead, right? But John's teaching the same things here. He's just teaching them in a way that is less like, you know, one-liner. I love 22 through 24. Okay. Because here, here it is. Keep his commandments, do things that are pleasing to him. Mm. 23, this commandment, believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Love one another as he gave us commandment to mm. do, right? Mm. 24, if you keep his commandments, you dwell in him and he abides in you. Mm -hmm. So it really comes down to, Please do what God is asking you to do yeah. and love the people around you so they can do it too. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I really love that. I, I, and again, I think this, these, all of these chapters are teaching us that God is love. Christ is love. We should feel loved and, and give love. Um, but, but ultimately, it's all about acting in a way that is loving. And, and then we receive loving feelings from the Spirit. At the end of verse 24, that, that the Spirit would, sorry, verse, end of verse 24, and hereby we know what we, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. So that's how we feel His love, is 
through the Spirit, right? Yeah. And and that calming and comforting, it's how you felt when your son was in crazy town in Jerusalem, right? And, <laughs> and, and it's not because your son was sending you nice fluffy texts. It's because when you prayed, you felt good, right? Mm-hmm. You, you felt an abiding peace come from knowing that Heavenly Father and the Savior have a much bigger plan and they're aware and, and, well, and capable of protecting. Right. And really, I think when we turn off all news <clears throat> and all social chatter, you do have peace. When we let the world permeate us in any attempt to bring us information, there's not peace in that. Peace comes from the great peacemaker. There's a great article in the Come Follow Me curriculum. In fact, this is another hint for personal study. If you go through that week's uh, curriculum and look for the talks reference, there's always two or three talks reference. So this this section, Becoming Like Him by Elder Whiting is referenced, as well as Overcoming the World by Elder Anderson. And they are fabulous information to add to your study of the scriptures. So Elder Whiting, in Becoming Like Him, talks about considering a thoughtful or deliberate intention pursuit to become like Christ. And he talks about resolving and committing to do something. And he gives a great example of hiking Mount Fuji with his wife in Japan and how it was a daunting task that was made one step at a time, right? Yeah. And he talks about the desire to know who Christ is, is something that we have to have if we want to take his character upon us. So yeah. starting with a desire. And if we're honest, you know, the light of Christ within us whispers that there's a distance between where we are and where we want to be like the Savior. But that light of Christ also motivates us towards him, to become mm-hmm. like him, to gain those attributes. And he gives a challenge in the doc. He's like, would you have enough courage to ask a friend or family member yeah. to tell you what attributes of Christ you should work on? Oh, yeah. And that's interesting. Every person you talk to, maybe a coworker, I could ask you what sure. attribute do I need to work on? Yeah. And, and hearing Ooh, let's it, do it in the podcast. I'm kidding. Let's I know, not. right? <laughs> but hearing it from a spouse or a child or a parent, yeah. having them say, are you really asking me this? And then being willing to listen. And say, yeah. yeah, I actually want to become a better person. Yeah. Where am I lacking? Mm. Um, when Brother Burke and I got married, he he has patience. Mm. It's an attribute that he's really good at. I do not <laughs> have patience. I have the gift of efficiency. It's sure. one of my spiritual gifts. <laughs> yeah. But I do not have patience because let's just get it done. Mm. Like, I, If you want that done, I can do it right now. And mm-hmm. he likes to wait and see how things unfold mm. and how, how people are handling it. And so, you know, after a few years of marriage... It's really interesting to see his effect on a, on an outcome versus mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the different attributes bring different strengths. Sure. So we learn from each other yeah. what patience looks like or what efficiency looks like. And we, and we teach and share that in a relationship, which is one of the many amazing things about marriage. You yeah. learn so much from the person that you are. Yeah, to. yeah, and ultimately you become like them too, right? You're, you're, you are better at patience because your husband is better at patience, and he's probably better at being more efficient because you are, and he's learning as he watches you and vice versa. I think that's how, in, in some small way, we become one with our spouse. We take their strengths, we develop them ourselves, and, and hopefully we cut off our weaknesses together too. Well, and we have to make a resolve to change, right? You get to a a place of humility where you realize, I'm not perfect, and so I need to repent, and I need to seek some guidance and pray and ponder and counsel with other people to see where I'm lacking. And when we do that, we can have some incredible experiences. Yeah, agreed. But I, I would highly recommend those two talks within the curriculum because they add a lot of insight that you wouldn't otherwise Yeah. have. All in. Well, maybe maybe just into just to touch on ch- in chapter four a little bit. Um, I think by the time we get to verse seven, maybe seven through eleven, uh, maybe I'll just read that and then we can talk about it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That God, perfect being, sent Christ the God of this earth, perfect being to earth to be sacrificed on our behalf 
that those two perfect loving beings could do what they did means that love is kind of it. It's kind of the thing we should be seeking for. It, it, it is in every situation. Yeah. I, I had someone sit in my office who was frustrated about someone who broke up with them, a relationship, mm-hmm. and, and they were mad at them, mm-hmm. and it was their fault, of yeah. course. <laughs> and so I let them talk on and share the whole experience, and then I sat back and said, you know, Jesus loves everybody in this story. He loves you, and he loves them. Yeah. So let's turn it around for a minute. Mm-hmm. How do we come to a place of peace with this experience? Yeah. But it was so eye-opening to watch their face go, wait, Jesus loves them too. Oh, dang it. Dang it. <laughs> it's not just me. You know, I think there's something there too. One of the one of the things, that, as we do this podcast, we're always trying to think about young adults and how it's applicable and whatnot. And I think in the, in the stage of life that a young adult is right now, um, especially as marriage is a little harder to find maybe or we're waiting a little longer to find it, I think it's easy to... Uh, not, I'm doing air quotes, love people for a long time in, in that age group, right? If, if you, obviously, everybody's looking for their spouse in, that, that, in that, that space, right? 20 to 30, somewhere in there. Um, but when it doesn't come at 23, who are you loving? And are you loving deeply? I mean, obviously, your family, hopefully your family. But there's this big gap, this 10-year gap where... Are you finding people to love like you will love a spouse? Maybe, you know, obviously in different ways, but Are you practicing deeply, the love? Yeah, yeah, right. So I love, if you're going on a first date with someone, which is no one's favorite thing, right? Right. Go on the date with the mindset, I can't wait to find out what Jesus loves about this person. Yeah, right. If that's your mindset, you're there to just enjoy the companionship of a new friend who you don't know, yeah. and you know that Jesus already loves them, so yeah. you're there to find out why. Yeah. And instead of, I hope they like me, or acting differently, or putting on different makeup, or changing mm-hmm. your outfit, sure. don't go for you. Go for, this is an opportunity for me to practice love. Yeah. This is for me to look and say, I want to find out who you are, because I know Jesus loves you, and I want to love you yeah. like he does. I want to see you as he does. Yeah, I think that's such great counsel. I, I see too many young people going on dates or, or dating for a brief period of time someone that then they kind of hate. Mm-hmm. And they just can't, they, they can't even the be in the space with that person any longer. Yeah. And in the Institute Choir, for some reason, the Institute Choir puts couples together pretty regularly. So if and, you want to date, go to choir. Yeah, go to choir. <laughs> um, but it, and maybe it's just because it's a little bit more of a social class, and so kids get to spend more time. We spend weekend time together. They go out after choir. There's, there's reasons uh, for that. But, but I always get a little bit leery when I see a new couple form because what happens most of the time is if they don't end up getting married— and they break up, well, one of them won't come to choir anymore, and the other one will come and maybe not have the best things to say about the person that's not coming anymore. And I think in, in this context of what we're learning about in John, I think it, it, we're, missing the, we're missing deep love for 10 years of our life mm-hmm. if, our, if we're a young adult going through that space. Well, that, and it's during this part of your life when you meet the most amazing people. Yeah, oh yeah. You don't know who the person next to you is going to become 10, 20 For years sure. from now. Yeah. And I look back at my college years, I made some incredible friends because I just loved them where they were as they were. Yeah. I didn't marry them, right. but I, I gained these friendships that have lasted all these years later. So exactly. one of my very good friends is currently a professor at UVU, hmm. and she has raised six kids, and as she got her master's, she's like, you should go back to school, get your master's. Exactly. And, right. and she was my motivation to keep going, and then she got her PhD, yeah. and I just... I admire her growth yeah. all these years later, and I see that in other brothers that I knew or dated or shared a word with, and, mm-hmm. and now they're physicians and yeah. politicians. Wonderful and people. Incredible people who I now call for questions and advice and yeah. help because our friendships have lasted. Yeah. So when he says love as God loves and to, to see people as he sees them, yeah. if you do that right now, you gain friends through mortality and hopefully into eternity yeah. because your eyes see them as he sees them. Yeah. And yeah. you look past the imperfections. Yeah, and, and it's a different type of love than you're going to develop for your spouse, right? But but you learn after mar- after you're married, you learn that you can have appropriate levels of love for members of the opposite sex that are, I'm so grateful for that person in my life yeah. who does X, Y, and Z um, for me and for the, my 
my career or for whatever. And, and I think that's kind of the way it's supposed to be. And, and, and obviously the, the, the love you feel for, you know, the, the, those of your same gender uh, appropriately are, are, that's maybe a little easier to place. But, but anyway, I, I just want young adults especially to be thinking that, you know, I can love these people without having to marry them or without being their exact match, right? I think, I think if we got to that place a little sooner in our life, we would be doing what John's inviting us to do here um, and, and really recognizing love. Can I just take us to the end of John? Is there anything else in John chapter 4 that you want to look at there? And verse 19 maybe references what we were just talking about in the end of 14. It says, We love him because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we sent from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. I just I think he ties it up so nicely there, but but uh, love is really the 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 charge he gives us in in chapter four. Then he jumps right into chapter five by verse two. Um, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. So he just keeps going. Right? Yeah, he, he repeats that over and over. Yeah. He that the love of God is keeping His commandments, which really again it comes back to that parent. A child who loves their parent is willing to say, "How can I help today?" Yeah, and a parent lovingly can say, "Here are some tasks that the family yeah. could use." And God's saying, "You are all family. Yeah, you are all family. Can you yeah. help your brother?" Right doesn't matter the color of their skin or where they live, what they drive. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I love it. I love it. So so maybe that gets us covered in 1 John. We feeling, yeah. feeling good about that? 2 mm-hmm. John um, is just addressing, it's, it's a, it's a one-chapter book, 12 verses long, um, speaking really to just some apostate influence, things that had happened. Um, but uh, th- this, this book, 2 John, um, by verse 5, he says, And now I beseech thee, lady, that we love one another. It's the end of verse 5 and 6. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. So here's the issue. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. So that was the issue he's addressing, that mm-hmm. Christ did actually come in the world we saw him. Well, and the warning that there are going to be false prophets and false teachers all over the world, and we see that yeah. right now. Yeah. That people don't want you to accept truth. Right. But you have to overcome the world, and you only do that by loving God yeah. and accepting Jesus Christ and letting Him lead your life. Yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, yeah. So to ultimately, that was the issue going on here. Kind of addressed again in. Um, verse 10, if there come any among you and bring not this doctrine that Christ lived and had a body and came to earth, um, receive him not well, into your house. And that's so specific. You know, if people come to you and their teachings aren't in harmony with the gospel of Jesus Christ or the prophet of God, yeah. don't listen. There are a lot of people who have broken off from the truth of the church that have just enough in it that they lure people out. Yeah, yeah. And Satan is doing that everywhere. We've seen that within our own family. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's President Nelson's um, counsel to not seek counsel from those who do not believe. Yeah, right? and so in verse 10 when it said, receive him not into your house, neither bid him speed, it means do not have anything to do with them. Yeah. If they have anything to say that is against the scriptures, against Christ, or against his prophet, yeah. run. Yeah. Run as fast as you can. Yeah. And and don't even entertain the thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. So that's kind of the issue there. Um, uh, and, and then we get we jump into John, the third epistle of John. Um, it's to a person, uh, the elder, unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Um, and then he wrote something in verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephus, who loved to have the preeminence among them, received us not. So he's writing to a ward there. Think okay. of it that way. Yep. Okay. And he thinks of himself to be very important. So uh, this, how did you pronounce his name? Diotrephus? Yeah. Diotrephus? He, he thinks know. he's a very important person. Yeah. So he rejected um, John yeah. when he came. So, so the issue may be his in verse 10, and maybe this is kind of referencing back to Second John 
110, where he's talking about not being received into the house. Well, he was a Gentile convert to sure, church. Sure. And so he held a very powerful political position in the community. Yeah. So he thinks he's important, much like maybe Sidney Rigdon in church oh, history, okay. right? Like, okay. I'm important, I'm older, and but now he's gone apostate. Yeah, so, so speaking to that issue, he says in verse 10 of John, uh, third epistle of John, wherefore, if I come, speaking of John coming, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, pratting against us with malicious words and not contend therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren and forbiddeth them that would and cast them out of the church. Now, I think there's something kind of like you were talking before about how there are so many right now finding little things to just step away from the church and hold on to this little truth, this nugget of truth that they got from the church and walking away with it saying, this is what I believe and I'm not I'm not going to follow prophets and apostles anymore. Yeah. It's like a Thanksgiving dinner and I only want the pumpkin pie. Yeah. I don't want the turkey, I don't want the yeah. mashed potatoes. Yeah. Pumpkin pie it. exists because of the Thanksgiving dinner, right? But but not only that, he's warning them here. He's saying, don't you allow these Lord servants of the Lord to come to you. Don't let yeah. them in your house. Yeah. Don't let them come to your area. So. People do that too. When they leave the church, it's one thing to say, I believe in the Catholic church, great. I can love anyone in their beliefs, but they leave and then they want to pull others with them. Yeah. And that's where Satan is tricking people. Yeah, and, and that's what he's saying in 10 is, when I come, if I come there, I'm not gonna listen to him. I'm not gonna give him any of my time because he's already proven who he is, mm -hmm. right? This, what did he say? Pratting against us with malicious words. Um, and he will not contend therewith. And I think that's maybe instructive to us. How many people do we know that have walked away from the church that we're concerned about and we, um, you know, we, we want to help if we can. And so we focus on them. We listen to what they say and we, we kind of get deep into their crazy ideas of what they're well, the taking off with them. the Spirit's not present. Right? Right. So I, I have some family members who have left the church and when they start to speak, there's no spirit present. Yeah. It's a flat conversation because they are right and they just want to tell you they're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to listen, and I'm happy to. I love them. Yeah. Happy to have conversations, but I do not agree. When the spirit's not present, I am aware. Yeah. If the spirit's present, we both have amazing conversations, yeah. and we're both uplifted. But when the spirit's not present, the conversation's flat, and so yeah. you can be aware of that. If you're if you're talking to friends or other peers who do not have the spirit with them because they're trying to pull you from what you know to be true, yeah. end the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, so that's ultimately what the third epistle of John is about. Just um, maybe it, in, a, in President Nelson's words, it's not taking counsel from those that don't believe. I think that's kind of the, the ultimate and maybe not even engaging in that conversation very much. Yeah. So now we jump into the book of Jude. And if I'm not mistaken, Jude is the half-brother of Christ. Uh, well, he identifies himself as the brother of James. Yeah. So it appears possible that, yeah, that Jude was Judah, who some believe Jesus' half-brother, spoken of in Mark 6-3. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so again, we've got somebody directly connected to Christ in some form or fashion. And he's giving big warnings in this book about people, beware of people who claim to be Christian, but who yeah. are given into immorality and other white accepted culture things, which, wow, we see that in our day yeah. all the time. And he uses the term first estate, meaning we often use the doctrinal discussions concerning our pre-mortal life and the war in heaven. Yeah. And he mentions that in this book. And he's going to talk about even Michael, who becomes Adam and Satan and all of the things that they're doing, overcoming the body of Moses. Like it's a it's it's a short epistle, but it is filled with warnings, which goes back to that article by Elder Anderson, Overcoming the World. Yeah. Right. So this is Elder Anderson's talk is a great read as you study the book of Jude. Yeah, yeah, great. So yeah, the book of Jude I think is is good. Um, there's some warnings from seven to sixteen. Um, it, let me just read seven, maybe. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life, eternal fire. So we see that like. He just dives right in. He's talking about some some pretty significant uh, types of sin and um, and and the, that seven through 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. Um, he's really just addressing some pretty heavy um, moral issues that were going on. Well, and I just want to testify about that because in coming to Earth, one of the main reasons we came to mortality was to get a body. Yeah, and a body can only be had with a man and a woman yeah. united together. And no matter what Satan wants to teach everyone about their sexual identity or their love preference, yeah. I, there are all kinds of struggles going yeah. on in the world. Right. 
we can't change the fact that the only way to make a body is with a man and a woman. Yeah. And so Jude is testifying here. This is God's plan for spirits to have a mortal body, to have a mortal experience. And ideally, they come into a family where they are loved and taught the gospel and directed back to Christ and to to God, the Father himself. So Jude is very bold here. Yeah. Yeah. can Can I read verse 16? These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts and their mouth, speaking great swelling words having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who, would, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit, but ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of your Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then this, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. So I, I think he's, he's telling us to stay focused on our faith, recognize that there's going to be this stuff in the last days. We're going to see these uh, murmurers and complainers um, they're going to justify their wickedness. Yeah. They're not just going to complain. They're going to la- be bold and loud, yeah. Yeah. saying, I can do what I want to do. Yeah. But again, coming back to all the chapters we've just discussed, our one job is to love people. Yeah. It is not to judge them for their actions or decisions. Our one job is to love them yeah. right where they are. Jesus will take care of the judging. Yeah. We don't have to do that, Yeah. thankfully. Yeah, isn't that great? I, I, uh, I am grateful I'm grateful for apostles in our day who speak boldly and directly. I think about conference and and just how clearly we are taught the things that are most prevalent for us and most relevant to us. And and then I I read books like this, Book of Jude and all of John's books, and I think they were doing the same things apostles today are doing, that they're looking for the the things that we're missing, the things that the world is throwing in and getting the getting the church members to kind of believe in or follow or or get distracted by and and what do they do? They just drag us right back, right? Verse twenty one: Keep yourselves in the love of God, right? It's it's all this crazy is going to go on around you, but keep yourself focused. Know what know what you believe. Trust in the Savior. Recognize that all this stuff was known before. That we're going to have all these this malicious fighting and all these boasting people about their own lusts and their own loves, and and that's just part of the plan. Um, but God has not only loved us enough to send the Savior; He's loved us enough to send apostles and prophets in our day to help us stay straight and to recognize okay how can i how can i still love these people without kind of falling to their to their counsels and and i think our prophets and apostles are just like the johns and the judes of our day Mm -hmm. that are helping us or of that day that are helping us in our day and and if we were to recommend one more study um, tip would be read one conference talk a day yeah every day Because what the prophet and apostles are saying to us right now from October's conference until next April are exactly the messages we need to hear and practice in our lives to become more like Christ. But you won't remember it by numbing yourself through that conference weekend when we were like fire hydrant with so many wonderful messages. But every day I spend my 10 minutes in the Book of Mormon and or more and I read one talk. That's my daily study. True. Because... The Book of Mormon, we've been asked by every prophet since Joseph Smith to read that. Yeah. So it's just got to be a daily part of your life, like yep. breathing. Yep. And then you add a talk. And it's like brushing your teeth. Just make that happen because our current prophet is speaking for Christ today to exactly. us. Yeah. And when you study President Nelson's messages, they're all about be aware of distraction. Yeah. Uh, even his last message, Think Celestial, so powerful because he knows the battle we face is mental. Yeah. Our pioneers had a physical battle. Right? They were cold. They were hungry. They struggled to just physically survive. We struggle with the mental battle because messages and images are coming our way 100 miles an hour through the devices that we use for great tools in our life. And our prophet knows that. So instead of letting our our minds spin in all directions, he is cluing in, you've got to change your thoughts. You have to keep your thoughts celestial. Everything else is going to tell you how to think, but you need to think like God would want you to think. Yeah. So following our prophet 
helps us overcome the world, helps us stay in line with Him, helps us make better choices, helps us keep the commandments for our day right now at this time. And in six more months, when we get new messages, start studying them for six months. Just right. reread the talks of the current conference yeah. so that you are defeating Satan in the most powerful way you can using the words of the prophet in your life. Yeah, I love that. And and, and maybe that's the message we leave everybody with here today, that that uh, the scriptures are, are preserved principles for us, right? Modern day prophets are are not preserved, right? Well, they kind of are are preserved and reserved for our day, but but preserving um, would be written down so that I can have it now. Prophets in our day are just giving it to us now. I love the invitation to to find time in your day to listen to one conference talk. I think I think you you just need to find a time that you're not doing something else that is audio or visual, and even listening to them I think can be so powerful in your day. Whether well, you it's can do the, all the things right: read, yeah. listen, watch. Right. Like, we're so grateful yeah. for these devices that allow us to hear the prophet exactly. in our hand. Yeah, I, I think during the the for me the time in the morning when I'm getting ready for the day. That's a perfect 15-minute period of time where I can listen to a conference talk every day mm -hmm. and not have it, you know, have to take more time out of what I'm already doing. I, I, I just open it up on my phone and I, I push play on the little video and then I can watch if I want to or if there's some reference to something on a screen that they're showing. But, See, and I'm a reader. I love yeah. to read it and highlight yeah. and think and write notes in the and column. I think that's great. That To me, that takes more time. It takes me another allocated period of my day where mm -hmm. I have to sit down and do that. And so if the, if that's not possible or you just are, are less that you way, yeah, you, you can do it in lots of different ways. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just share one thing, and then I'd like you to close with some thoughts for young adults. Um, today in our scripture study at home, we're a, we're a week ahead of our recording here, and so we were in First Peter um, and in chapter 1, kind of associated with what you were just saying, verse 13, it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober. Mm. And I love that think phrase. Celestial. Yeah, that's this thing celestial. Girding up your loins, if you've ever seen a, it's, it's probably worth a Google search just for an image on girding up your loins. Um, and it, there's a, the, the, one of the very first images you'll find is somebody's drawn an old, tiny, uh, Old Testament kind of figure. And they're wearing robes like they would wear, right? And when you gird up your loins, you actually gather the robe that's down below your knees up towards your waist and you tie it so that you can run, so that you can move, so that you have, you've gotten rid of the excess and the excess that is kind of holding you back. When you gird up your loins, it means pulling up all that excess and girding yourself so that you can move freely with all of that extra uh, baggage. And, and so um, I, I just happened to have this note in on this verse in First uh, Peter thir chapter one verse thirteen, and this was the this was the note that uh, I had written some time ago. Howard W. Hunter said, "A noble character is not a thing of chance." but is the result of continued effort in right thinking. Man is made or unmade by himself. He fashions the tools with which he builds mansions of joy and happiness for himself, or he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. As a being of power, intelligence, and the master of his own thoughts, a man holds the key to every situation to make his life what he chooses it to be. I think that's so cool that we are no, we are a noble character. We can be masters of our minds, um, but we have to we have to be in control of it, and we really can control every aspect of our life when we can control our mind. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that counsel from you today, Sister Burke. This has been great. We we covered the block. That's not something we do all the time in the podcast. So. So thank there you. you thank you. Um, if you had one thought or message that you would share today uh, to the young people, I know you see lots of young adults in, in your job working with them in classes and stuff. Is, is there something that stands out to you or something you'd just want, you know, 2,000 of them to hear all at one time? <laughs> I just love them yeah. so much. Uh, just in talking about this block, that, that God is love and, and Christ is light, that every day when the sun rises— what you do with your time between sunrise and sunset, when the light is shining on you, yeah. changes you for good or bad, depending on your choices. Yeah, agreed. But every day you get a fresh start. Yeah. So no matter what happened yesterday, if there was a storm in your life emotionally, the sun will shine today. Yeah. And no storm ever lasts forever. Yeah. 
it comes and it goes. And sometimes there's aftermath after a storm, but uh, just be mindful that you have a gift from God every day that that light shines and and look up and see him and let him guide your life. And he will. When you turn to him and say, what would you like me to do today? Who would you like me to serve? If those are your two questions, he will answer those. And when you do your best, as these chapters talked about, to keep the commandments and to look at those around you through his eyes and genuinely love them, mm-hmm. it changes you as a person. Yeah. Nothing else in the world really matters. And you will be able to overcome all the things that the world tries to push on you when you love God first, yeah. when he is your main priority. Um, you'll be a brick wall for good. Mm-hmm. And people will flock to you because they know they can trust the foundation you're standing on. And they might need to stand on your foundation mm-hmm until theirs becomes as solid as yours. Yeah. But he needs you to be that disciple. He needs you to be the lighthouse for others. He needs you to shine your little light bright enough that people gather to you. And that really, to me, is the heart of the gathering of Israel. Mm. Gather to the light. Gather to those who have light. Bring those to you who need light. Mm. And together, Christ will bring all of you home. Yeah. Yeah, it just reminds me of the uh, the song about letting our lower lights be burning mm. and drawing uh, all all to the Savior's ultimate light at the at the lighthouse, right? Yeah. But the lower lights are the things that guide people in, and I think we could be that. Yeah, like the primary song, where God is, where love is, there God is also. Yeah, right. If we are if we are loving, we will be around God. God will be around us. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Sister Burke, thank you. The next time we have you on, if you'll come back. If you'll come back. The next time we'll have you on, we will be in the Book of Mormon. That's my favorite book. I know, isn't it? I have great? so much to say. It'll be so fun. Thank you so much for your time today, and we will have you back. Thank you. Yeah.